Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. I really am curious how y'all living this morning. How was your night last night? Because from where I am sitting, that was the best worst night and the worst best night ever. Like if the rap was that Mike Zimmer could get fired after that game, the Vikings came out and they played like they wanted to get him a 10-year extension. And the Steelers did as well. Was that first half about the Vikings being that awesome or the Steelers being that horrible? The answer is yes. Because the Vikings did everything they wanted and the Steelers let them do whatever the hell they wanted. The Steelers could barely line up on defense and they could not block anybody on offense. And remember all those questions about whether or not Dalvin Cook would go. The answer was yes. Not only did he go, there was nothing Pittsburgh could do to stop this guy. He looked fast. He looked explosive. He looked like he was going to humiliate the Steelers. I would say Dalvin Cook was gashing the Steelers, but it's so much worse than that. I mean, yes, he showed a lot of toughness. He's got a busted up wing. He's taking some shots. But then there were times that he was running through holes that were enormous. Like my man's all up in here running through the Grand Canyon. Check this out. Cousins turns, gives to Cook, bounces to the outside of the 25, down the sideline to the 20, inside the 10, he'll hop into the end zone for the touchdown. Nobody touched Dalvin Cook. He goes 29 yards, and it's 15-0, Minnesota. Westwood won on the call. I mean, my man's just jogging into the end zone. Nobody laid a glove on him. Nobody even came close to touching him. Nobody got in the same zip code. And it's not like the second one was any tougher than the first. Cousins under center, turns, gives to Cook, tries the right side, got a block in the five. Cook cuts it back to the left, and he's in for the touchdown. Running behind Ezra Cleveland, Dalvin Cook takes it in for six more from seven yards out, and it's 22 to nothing. Would he go? Would he go? He had a franchise record, 153 yards in the first half. And when Cook was not carving up the Steelers, Harrison Smith was absolutely wrecking Ben Roethlisberger. On third down, Roethlisberger is sacked by Harrison Smith. They bring Harrison Smith, they bring four weak, and there's only three blockers, and so Ben's got to know the ball's got to come out. He never sees Harrison Smith, who really should have. He comes up on the line of scrimmage, he's right there. You know that somebody's going to come free, and he gets drilled in the back. Fox on the call. Roethlisberger got cracked so hard right there. I thought for sure they'd roll out that old man's rascal and drive him back to the sideline because there was no way that old dude was just going to walk that off. Dude looks like he can barely walk upright under the best of circumstances off the field. How was he going to walk off the field after that? So for the first 30 minutes, that game was not even a game. That was like some sort of ritual humiliation. To quote the late, great Pat Tillman once again, a nice, swift ass-kicking. swift ass-kicking. To the Steelers. Man, they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to be there, and nobody wanted them there. I sure as hell didn't want them there. I didn't want to watch it. 
That's why I jumped into my adult diaper prior to the game. Remember, we talked about that. I jumped into my adult diaper prior to that game because I just knew that game was going to take a big dump in its own pants. You have a big dump in and your I pants. was right. The Steelers were that bad. Troy Aikman was calling it, quote, junior league ball. You know how bad you have to suck for the announcers to call you out like that? So the Vikings were up 29-0 late in the third. 29-0 late in the third. Then, of course, right on cue, the Vikings remember they're the Vikings. And they go all nap nation right in the middle of the game with the entire nation watching. And you know they were thinking... Man, you know what they were thinking. Yes, we have choked before. Yes, we were the losers who lost to the Lions. Yes, our quarterback lined up under guard. Yes, if anybody could choke away a 29-point lead late in the third quarter, it would be us. Except nobody, not even them, could choke away a 29-point lead late in the third quarter. The hell you can't, Minnesota. And it's not as if they didn't do their damnedest to pull it off either. Pittsburgh scores three quick TDs. And before you know it, it's 29-20. Viking fan is freaking out. Those who took the Vikings and laid the points and had already spent the money they thought they banked when it was 29-0 were freaking out. The only question left was, would Mike Zimmer make it off the field without getting fired? And which player or coach or both was he going to knock the hell out when it happened? It was that bad. Especially when you remember that game was in prime time. Because we all know how Kirk Cousins plays in prime time. And he was living up to that terrible rep in the second half until he finally hit K.J. Osborne for that bomb to make it a 16-point lead. Finally. Damn good thing, too. Because even Ritt was like, finally. Finally. Who did you have in that game, old man? (laughs) He didn't play. Hmm, All right. All right. Scared money don't make money. You know that, Ritt. Anyway... Damn good thing, because if he does not complete that pass, I'm not sure that either Cousins or Zimmer make it back from that catastrophic choke job. However, even with that 16-point lead in the fourth quarter, the Vikings still tried to choke. Pittsburgh scored again. Pittsburgh even had a great look at it late in the game. Roethlisberger throws for the end zone. It's in and out of the hands of Pat Fryermuth. A throw that was on target. Anthony Barr and Harrison Smith sandwiched the tight end. And the rookie from Penn State drops the ball. And the Vikings hang on 36-28 to to end it in Minneapolis. Give it to the big man and his rascal. Hey, man, Ben put that ball right there. He did. If dude hangs on to it, you know they're going to get that two-point conversion. You know they're going to go on and win in overtime. There's no way that wasn't happening. And then you know there's no way that Mike Zimmer's post-game speech in the locker room wasn't going to be about him beating guys about the head and face with a chair. It's a fact. Mike Zimmer would have been all going psychotic He's bleeping, beating people up, and we need help. What I'm saying is he would have been going Hope Solo on somebody's ass. Everybody's ass. Hope Solo is going 
Yeah, I'll do that again. Mike Zimmer. One more time. Mike Zimmer. He's. He, you know that would have been Zimmer. If they complete that pass, they convert the two-point conversion. They go on, Alvin. They go on and they win in overtime. I guarantee Zimmer at his press would have been like this. Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer. He's. I guarantee it. Luckily, that did not happen. So last night was not just about the Vikings going Jekyll and Hyde. It was about the Steelers getting crushed in the trenches again. My man Cam Hayward said it best. Got good off blocks. I say it every freaking week. Um, effort, technique has to be a lot better. We have to know where we fit, and everybody's got to be accountable. Tell you what, man, I don't mess with Cam, and Cam ain't messing with them. He does not like what he's saying. Neither did Mike Straight Fire Tomlin. You know, just to be blunt, man, we're getting handled up front on both sides of the ball, and that makes it difficult. We're not good in that area with JV again tonight. We're not whooping enough tail, you know? Let me tell you something right there. That, that is the straight fire. The straight fire I've been waiting on from Mike Tomlin. He's absolutely right. They were JV again last night. The, and, and not whooping enough tail... Quote, not whooping enough tail is a polite way of saying they were kicking our asses up and down the field all night long. And it's not the first time it's happened. In fact, it keeps happening. And that's not how this franchise and how this town gets down. The Steelers do not get manhandled and punched in the face and curb stomped. They're the ones who manhandle chumps break faces, and curb stomp others. Or at least they used to. We're not whooping enough tail, you know? And I'll tell you something else. As much as I like this guy, but when they were not getting cracked, they were going brain dead at the worst possible time. Chase Claypool is a hell of a receiver, man. Love the guy's game. Love how physical he is. He makes catches that you can barely understand. And he had at least one of those last night. Problem is, he has other moments that you also can't understand. More than one, in fact. Like when he got flagged for a personal foul in the first quarter. And yes, maybe he was only retaliating, but you can't do that. I mean, that was really stupid. This is stupid! Get! And then it was dumb enough that Mike Tomlin benched him. Benched him for a while. But if he was hoping that Claypool was going to learn his lesson, that's not exactly what happened. Because on the Steelers' final drive of the game, Claypool caught a nine-yard pass for a first down with 42 seconds left and no timeouts, by the way, and then proceeds to signal for a first down on one knee and in slow motion, no less. Dude, what are you doing? It is legitimately one of the dumber things I've seen in a long, long time. You're celebrating a reception and signaling for a first down with less than a minute to go when you're trying to score a touchdown to tie the game and you have no timeouts when you do it. All right, I get that it's an emotional game. I get you run pretty hot. But time and place, dude. Time and freaking place, and that was neither Like, you know it's a moronic move when one of your offensive linemen has to rip the ball out of your hands to set up the next play. 
I mean, credit to Claypool for owning it after the game, I guess. But that stupid little celebration probably cost them another look at the end zone. And I know it didn't make Fat Ben, but Big Ben, very happy either. And even less happy that he had to answer questions about it after. It's not really my job. I mean, that's to me, that, that goes up to Coach Tomlin. That's what he needs to do. That's his job as, as the head coach. It's not as, as the quarterback. It's my job to, to, to help manage what we do on the field and getting first downs and trying to score, um, dealing with player issues and, and whatever else you want to say. That's, that's the coach's job, not mine. That is the ultimate, hey, man, don't ask me. Don't ask me. I just work here. Actually, that's more like, don't ask me. I'm only going to be working here another few weeks. That sounds like a guy who's ready to start more rumors about his retirement. I said that sounds like a guy who's ready to start more rumors about his retirement, allegedly. I just know this much. That game was pretty much exactly what I expected. It delivered which is why I jumped into my adult diaper in the first place. Because I knew that both teams would take a giant dump in their pants. Dump and they did. Pants. You want to know the truth? I am still rocking that adult diaper as we speak, just in case there's any additional fallout or residual fallout from that game last night. Because it really was that jacked up. Even for them... And even for a Thursday night. Thanks, Alvin. It's 9-18 Pacific. I think Claypool is still celebrating that fourth down conversion. And if it sounds like I'm piling on, it's because I am piling on. Ben's like tapping him on the shoulder mid-celebration. Yo, Clay. Clay, yo, man. The, the, the game's over. We already lost. Clay's like, hang on, man. I'm still in the middle of my gritty. What, you didn't have time to go on the field and grab that planted Nokia flip phone that you put in the goalpost to call your boys? No timeouts? Whatevs! Let me run to the sidelines and grab some cheerleader pom-poms and lead a cheer. Hell, is this Green Bay? If it were, I'd do the Lambo leap. In fact, I'm going to do it anyway. Dude, my man, it was like the craziest thing. What was he doing? If that were Tampa Bay, Chase would be firing the cannons. If that were KC, he'd be banging on some drum. Let me tell you about an amazing product. You know, you can access content from over 59 different countries by changing your virtual location with a single click. With NordVPN, you could be anywhere in the world virtually and access content from those regions. If you're outside the U.S., you still have access to all U.S. streaming services. You will never miss your favorite show ever again, and it's super easy to use. Now, you might hear people say that VPNs have a rep for slowing down your internet speed. Not with NordVPN because it is the fastest VPN in the world. Plus, you don't have to sacrifice internet speed for better security. With NordVPN, internet traffic is routed through a secure encrypted tunnel, which protects your data and your privacy. With NordVPN, internet traffic is routed through a secure encrypted tunnel, which protects your data and your privacy. You can also have NordVPN on up to six devices, so all of your devices are protected. 
You can also have NordVPN on up to six devices, so all your devices are protected. Go to nordvpn.com slash Rome or use the code Rome, exclusive podcast code, and get up to 73% off NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Be quick because this offer is limited. That's nordvpn.com slash Rome or use the code. NordVPN.com slash Rome. Ron Harper Jr. is my guest. Ron, it's awesome to have you on. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, dude. Good. So last night you lived out the dream of every kid who has ever picked up a basketball. You beat the number one team in the country on a last second shot. You hit that jumper with 14 seconds left. You take the lead. Purdue goes down. They score. They retake the lead with 3.4 seconds left. Let me start right there. What was going through your head at that moment with 3.4 seconds left? Uh, when we came, when we broke the timeout. And we were talking about getting a stop, getting a stop. And I told the guys that the small chance that they do get a basket, just gave me the ball. And, you know, I'm going to handle the rest. And once he scored, I saw the clock at 3.4, and I got the ball, and I knew I had four or five dribbles to try to get over half court. And that's what I did. And I got a pretty good shot up, and it just went down. Ron Harper Jr. joining us. So you get the ball back, right, like you said, on the inbounds. You dribble up to midcourt. You let it go right around the logo. How did the shot feel as it left your hands? And then what did it feel like when it went down? Uh, it felt good as it left my hands. It was kind of like an awkward stop, uh, awkward shot, kind of euro step into almost a half court shot. But as soon as I let it go, there was no doubt in my mind it was going in. And then when I saw it go down, it was just it was unbelievable. I started jumping up and down, and then I just turned around and I see thousands of people just running on the court, and it was just it was. Type of surprise. It was unbelievable. I was going to ask you about that part, too. I mean, that's arguably, Ron, the best shot in the history of Rutgers basketball. You hit this amazing shot at the end of an amazing game to beat the number one team in the country. Fans are storming on the court. The moment goes viral. I mean, is there any way to put into words what that all felt like? It was unbelievable. Like you said, I, I lived out every kid that ever picked up a basketball dream. And, you know, that's, that's a shot that kids are in the driveway countdown from 10 uh, and just chucking one up and just hoping it goes in. And that's kind of that's kind of how it felt, you know. It kind of felt like I was a little kid again. And as soon as it went up and it went down, I'm jumping up and down like a little kid, like a little kid on Christmas, and it was just great. That is so cool. Ron Harper Jr. is joining us. Let me add a little more color to this. That was the program's first win over a number one ranked team ever. You are the first person in college basketball history to score at least 30 points and hit the game winner to beat the number one team in the country. I mean, what's your reaction when you hear that? You just did something that has never been done in the history of the sport. What's that feel like? That's pretty cool, you know. Uh, when I heard that stat that I was the first player to have a game like that against the number one team in the country, you know, that, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of stuff I came back to Rutgers for, you know, going through the draft process. I came back playing big games like that in that kind of atmosphere and have big games like that. And I didn't come back this year to have a historic season myself. I came back to have a historic season with the team. And, you know, we made history last night, and I'm very proud of our guys. But they know that the job's not finished, and we got so much more to look forward to. Ron Harper Jr. is joining us. You know what, you kind of answered a question that I was going to ask you about, but maybe you can kind of share the process. For instance, Mm -hmm. you could have entered the draft after last season. What was the decision-making process like for you? And ultimately, what did bring you back for another year? I know you'll tell me games like that or moments like that, but what was the decision-making process like? The decision-making process, was uh, it it was hard. You know, you're torn between 
a lifelong dream of playing in the NBA or coming back to represent the home, my home state university. And it was, it was a tough decision, honestly. But, you know, when I was working out around here, getting ready for all the pre-draft stuff, I was still around these guys and I was still playing pickup with them. And I, I just wanted to be a part of that. And my sophomore year, we ended up going 17-1 when it was called the Rack. And then last year, we didn't play with any fans, so it really didn't feel right to, to leave these guys and to leave these fans without going out for one more year in front of our great fans. And like you said, I'm going to say moments like last night is a big reason why I came back. And I just wanted to be a part of this team and this program in a world where we don't really got to worry about COVID because last year just didn't feel right. It's the holidays, and you deserve a gift, obviously. So how about a gift that keeps on giving you joy and comfort every single day all year long? A gift that looks as good as it feels. A gift that will actually pay for itself in terms of how much more productive you are at work. What am I talking about? Of course I'm talking about the gift of an X-chair. I love mine. It is by far the most comfortable and ergonomic chair that I have ever used. And honestly, it is probably the coolest-looking piece of furniture that I own. In fact, it is. Not only is X-Chair the world's greatest office chair, but with its patented LMAX technology, it doubles as a massage chair. And it can either cool or warm your back. Let me ask you this. Can your office chair do that? Doubt it. Now is the perfect time to purchase an X-Chair. Buy early, buy now. And here's X-Chair's holiday gift for you. Save $100 off your X-Chair. Just by purchasing it at xchairrome.com right now. That is the letter X chair R O M E dot com. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairrome.com and save. That's xchairrome.com. I'm really impressed with that. Ron Harper Jr. is joining us. Like, what was that like? Last season was so hard, so hard from a COVID standpoint and all the sacrifices that you made, your teammates made, everybody involved in the program had to make. What did it mean to go to the NCAA tournament, for instance, last season for the first time in three decades and advance? What was that like? It meant the world to us, but if you ask anybody on that team last year, I feel like the general general stance was that we underachieved last year and that we felt like we could have a lot more but we definitely made history and, and it's something to be proud of to do something that hasn't been done in 30 years it, it says something about this team it says something about the character and you know we're looking to make history again this year we're looking to build off the experiences that we had going to the ncaa tournament last year and almost beating a number two seed so uh we're looking to make more memories more great memories like that Hey, Ron, it's so clear how much it means for you to be in-state, how much it means to you to be at that school, how much it means to be you to be with your teammates. Like, you won back-to-back state championships at Don Bosco Prep, and then you went to Rutgers, where you had been a huge part of turning the program around. What's it mean to see the sellout streak, for instance, at home, and see the program now being embraced in ways that it really had never been embraced before? It's amazing. You know, that's what I came here to do. I came here to be a part of a culture that was rapidly changing and I wanted to be a part of something great you know I wanted to come to this university and and spark a change at Rutgers and spark a change with the basketball team and I want to make Rutgers sound appealing to these in-state kids because you know when I'm getting recruited throughout high school Rutgers really wasn't like a sexy name getting recruited I wanted to be a part of that change and I wanted to be a part of a movement to keep our kids home because we got some of the best talent in the world in New Jersey and I feel like if we keep those kids home it'll be monumental for program success 
Hey, Ron, I want to be very clear about this. I want to tell you something. I used to love having your dad on the very show that you're on right now. In fact, I love your dad. I love Pops. I loved him as a player. I loved him as a guy. I, I just, I love the man. I want to know what it's like to grow up the son of a legendary basketball player, but at the same time, be your own guy and carve out your own identity. Yeah, that's something I definitely struggle with and battle with, especially when I first got here to got here to Rutgers. I felt like everything I did basketball-wise was going to always have his name tagged to it. Uh, after I had a big game, I feel like it would always be like, Ron Harper's kid played great. And it was, honestly, it was something I was getting tired of, especially like my freshman, sophomore year. And I just wanted the work to be my own person, you know. Sometimes you got to call out a few people on social media to make sure they get that junior in there when they mention my name. But it's still something I work on. Uh, but he, like you said, legendary player, five NBA championships. He's done it all. He had a great college career, a great NBA career. So growing up, the son of him, you know, he has a lot of great insight to give me. And he wants me to be my own player and my own person at the end of the day. And he always tells me that at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, that he wants he, that he wants everything that he does to be attached to my name. So it's definitely comforting hearing your father say that. Oh, I love that. That's a great, great line. But listen, while we're on the topic, let's make sure that we're not sleeping on moms. Your mom, Maria, mm-hmm. also played college basketball. In fact, her father was an Olympian. Like, you're coming from a family of amazing athletes and competitors. What's that like? It's great. Coach Hobbs always tells me, he's like, I got to thank, thank your grandfather for the bloodline, you know. My grandfather was a world-class Olympian athlete in the Philippines. My mom was a Division One basketball player. My dad was an NBA player, so I got a lot of people that I can lean on for advice that, that have been there, that have done it at the highest level, and that they know they know how to get success, and they know it's not easy, and they, they, they tell me that all the time, and I just got to embrace their experiences and embrace what they can give me, and I just got to all put it together. Ron Harper Jr., my guest. All right, so you're going to face number 23, Seton Hall, on Sunday. How much time do you give yourself to enjoy last night's win before you start to think about a rivalry game like that one? Oh, practice is at one thirty, so I got like 40 more minutes to enjoy it, and then it, it, it's right back to business, you know. Seton Hall is a great team. They beat number seven Texas last night at the Prudential Center, which we'll be visiting on Sunday. So it's not going to be an easy task, but I know the coaches are going to put together a great game plan, and we really got to lock in because the future is what we're going to make of it, and we want to get another signature win on Sunday, and we want to make another statement. Hey, Ron, one last thought. You know, you won that game last night without Geo Baker, who was out with the flu. The two of you came back to do special things together. Like, what's it say about the strength and the depth and the toughness of this team that you can get a win like that even without him? First of all, playing without Geo in any game is real tough. You know, we've missed him these last three games, I think it's been. And we obviously haven't had the great start that we expected we were going to have when we decided to come back. But it shows a lot of resilience about this team, how we went out there against the number one team in the country. And we strung together a 40-minute performance. Coach Paco always preaches to us having the next man up mentality. And with GOL, our fifth-year senior, a captain, uh, that he really preaches that to the young guys. And I checked in 12, 13 people yesterday, and all those people played great minutes. It might not show up on the stat sheet, but everybody that checked in, I felt like, was ready for the moment, and they gave it their all in the minutes that they got. And I'm proud of these dudes. We're a resilient team, and we're not going to back down. It doesn't matter who's injured, who has the flu. We're going to go out there, and we're going to fight. My man, I could not be more impressed with what I saw on the floor, the way you've handled your business on the floor since getting there. Could not be more impressed with this conversation. That was great. Like all morning long, Ron, I've been looking forward to that. You lived up to the hype. It is so great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Good luck this weekend. I hope you and I can do it again soon. Thank you. I appreciate you so much for having me on. Let's take a moment and talk about WinBet. 
the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. Whether you're playing money lines for NFL Week 14, totals for College Football Week 15, or both, WinBet has you covered. Looking for other sports, WinBet has those too. It's all right there for you with your WinBet app. WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts. Discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merchandise. It really is the best loyalty program in the industry. Call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you have absolutely got to sign up for WinBet ASAP. Bet with the best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. You know, before I do that, I want, actually want to talk about Demarius Thomas. And last night, the terrible news that came with the passing of Demarius Thomas, I was shocked. And like a lot of things, when I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw him trending, I expected the worst. You know, a lot of times when you see something like that, you expect the worst and it's not. And then it was. And just so, so sad. He was 33. A relative told the Associated Press early this morning that, quote, he had been suffering from seizures for over a year. We believe he had a seizure when he was showering. We're not sure when he died. We just spoke with him yesterday, end of quote. So as you'll recall, Demarius Thomas was a Super Bowl champ. He was a two-time All-Pro. He was a five-time Pro Bowler, one of three receivers to have 1,400 receiving yards 10 receiving TDs in three straight years. The other two guys to do that, Marvin Harrison and Jerry Rice. He's Denver's second leading receiver in yardage and TDs. And of course, he had this play. Tim play fakes in the pocket, sets, throws, pass, caught. Demarius Thomas out over the 45 midfield. Here we go, 40, 35, foot race, 20, 15, 10, touchdown, Denver is over. It's over in Denver. In other words, he was one hell of a wide receiver. And the old cliche is that he was an even better person, but in this case, it's true. All you have to do is read the tributes that his teammates and opponents are posting about him. Peyton Manning said in a statement this morning, quote, DT was a better person than he was a player, and he was a Hall of Fame player. That tells you how good of a person he was. He treated my kids like they were his own. He was there for every teammate's charity event absolutely devastated, end quote. Tom Brady, quote, I'm so sad to wake up this morning to hear about the passing of my friend, Demarius Thomas. We were all blessed with his humility and positive spirit, and we will all miss him. This photo is from the Hall of Fame this past August. A source of light, as always, RIP. Tim Tebow, quote, woke up and saw the really devastating news about my teammate and friend, Demarius Thomas. So many are going to remember him for his athletic ability, but I'll remember him for his kindness, his smile that would light up a room, and the love that he had for those in his life. End quote. J.J. Watt, quote, way too young. The first image of DT that pops in my head will always be that smile and positive energy. Rest in peace, brother. End quote.
Personally, I had Demarius Thomas on the show during his playing career. He came in studio on JRIB back in the day. And while I spent some time with him, I don't want to claim that I knew him well, but I can say that the time I had with him echoes what everybody else is saying about him. He just was an extremely kind. He was, he was sweet. He, like, he was really thoughtful. Really thoughtful. And when you know his background and the journey that he had to get where he was, that makes it even more incredible. If you have a minute today, take some time and read about his childhood. Read about the fact that his mother and grandmother went to prison when he was 11 years old. That he rarely saw his mother growing up. That he picked up football in high school. That his dream was to have her come to one of his NFL games in person. And that they realized that dream together in January of 2016. Forget the football side of things. When you know his story and his journey, it makes his kindness and his gentleness even more rare and remarkable. This was an incredible person. Rest in peace, Demarius. Gone way too soon. So are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Kobe Bryant is my guest. Kobe, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Appreciate good. you for having me. Well, I really appreciate you doing it. There's a lot to cover, so let me first ask you. You were named the winner of the Jim Thor- Thorpe Award last night. What was the moment like when you found out that you had won that award? Uh, it was a blessing. You know, it was a surreal moment. You know, you dream about those moments from from a child, you know, and for it to actually come true, and, you know, it was just a blessing. You know, I try to lead the younger guys and, you know, just to let them know that anything is possible. I think what's really important is what you just said. You try to lead the younger guys because when you were talking about that award, one of the first things you said was just that. You want to try and be a leader for the team. Back on January 2nd, you tweeted that you were coming back for another year and you wanted to, quote, accomplish more and be a better leader for this team, end of quote. Absolutely. Right. So why is leadership something that's so important to you? Uh, leadership is always important for me, you know, um, with me having a big brother who was going, who's went through what I, what I'm going through right now, uh, it's just always been big. You know, last year I felt like I wasn't the leader that I was capable of, and you know, once after the Georgia game, I felt right away I knew I had to come back and be a better leader, and it was unfinished, unfinished business. Kobe Bryant's joining us. You mentioned your brother, your older brother Christian, played safety at Ohio State. He was drafted by the Rams. I'm curious, what kind of an influence did he have on you growing up? Oh, he was a he was a great influence. You know, uh, he's more my best friend, my brother, my mentor. You know, he he set the standard from day one. He's been a great role model. You know, not just on the field, off the field as well. So he's greatly appreciated. Yeah, I like that. The standard he set the standard, and as we know, Kobe, the standard is the standard. Like, what was the standard he set for you? How would you just describe or define the standard? Uh, the standard was his greatness. You know, he accomplished big things that. Ohio State, and you know, I knew the the shoes were big to fill, you know, so I always pride myself to be better, you know, not just to be equal with my brother, but just to be better, and he helped me 
become not only a better football player, but a better man as well, too. Hmm. Bearcat, Kobe Bryant joining us. So last night, Jalen Ramsey was hyping both you and Sauce Gardner <laughs> on Twitter. What's it mean to get that kind of respect from a player like Ramsey? Oh, man, it, it meant a lot. You know, um, he had followed me on Twitter right away. You know, I, I reached out to him. You know, I told him I'd be in touch. And uh, I'm going to be looking for helping, coming back to him about uh, questions about, you know, anything I can improve on. So I was definitely grateful for him uh, shouting me in the mod out. Yeah, I like that. So when you've got a pair of cornerbacks like you and Sauce, how dangerous is it for the opposing quarterbacks? Do you feel like it's a matter of pick your poison for them? Uh, you know, some quarterbacks are kind of risky, you know, and uh, we'll take a shot on this, you know. And, uh, you know, that's just up to us, you know, to when the ball is in the air and make the play. And, you know, we uh, like I said, like going back to what I said, you know, we set the standard not only just for me or him, you know, but for the younger guys to, you know, they're capable of being better than what me and Ahmad are. So it's definitely fine. Kobe Bryant joining us. Listen, you don't win the Thorpe unless you make plays, and you made a lot of Absolutely. plays. There are a lot of plays I want to talk to you about, but why don't we talk about that 74-yard pick six against UCF. On that play, you jumped the route, and you had a pretty easy trip to the end zone after that. How much of that was about film study, and then how much of that was about pre-snap recognition? Uh, it was about 50% on both. You know, um, I, knew, I knew once uh, they motioned out the tight end to number one, I knew – that they were anticipating us being his own. So I knew the quarterback was going to try to take the free access, which was going to be the hitch. And uh, prior back into the season uh, against Notre Dame, Notre Dame did the exact same thing. And, you know, like you said, it's going back and watching film to realizing where teams are attacking me at. And uh, like I said, it's going back and just understanding, okay, once I motioned out to the tight end, okay, they knew I was going to, I was going to be in cover three. So I just anticipated and jumped in you know, made the play. All right, so you mentioned also a few moments ago that some quarterbacks are going to take their shots. There are some quarterbacks that are going to assume that risk. Let's talk risk for a minute, because after that pick, D coordinator Mike Tressel said, quote, Kobe was told by Coach Fick and myself afterwards that if you jump a route like that, you better be right. And he right. was. And when you look back at it on film, he was exactly right. And to quote, I know you laid it out for me right now, but was there any risk on that play in your mind, or were you 100% certain of what you were seeing and what you were going to do? Uh, yeah, it was, it was some risk, you know. But, you know, in order to be great, sometimes you got to take a risk, you know. And that was just a risk I was willing to take. Um, I knew uh, Hicks, our safety, had my back. You know, I told him pre-snap, like, I'm, I'm – if they uh, motion out the tight end, I'm jumping it. So just have my back, and that's what he did. And I was able to make a great play. Kobe Bryant is joining us. You know, it's amazing, right? Like, you guys won four games your freshman year. Now you're undefeated. You're going to the playoffs. You said the key was trusting or trusting Coach Fickle and that it was going to work. I know you've got work that's still ahead of you, a lot of work still ahead of you. But what's it mean to even be in this spot right now with this opportunity? Uh, it's a blessing. You know, just going back to what you said, um, from my freshman year to now, just seeing the development from not only the players but Coach Fickle. You know, like I just always say, just trusting his plan. You know, greatness doesn't happen just overnight. You know, it takes years and years. And like I said, we just automatically trust him. He's been a great leader for us, and the rest took care of itself. 
Kobe Bryant, my guest. Kobe, give me a second. I want to lay this out. But the story goes that your mom and dad were enormous fans of Kobe Bryant. But Christian says he's the (laughs) one who came up with the name. And I know you're laughing already because you know this. He told Cleveland.com, quote, my dad and I still disagree with this story. But I'm the one who said that he should be named Kobe. I'm also a fan. And what better name can you name a boy, especially since the plan was already laid out that he was going to have that sports killer mentality like Kobe. Can you set the record straight? What's the version of the story that you've heard? Who gets credit for the name? Oh, man, it's, it's definitely my dad who gets the credit. You know, um, my brother, he always he always messes with me about he, he he came up with the name, but he was only like seven years old, so I doubt he, he was able to come up <laughs> with my name. So um, it was it's definitely my dad. You know, my mom loved Kobe Bryant, too. She, she actually likes sports. And, you know, once he heard the name and, you know, it was spelled different, the rest was the rest was history. Yeah, that that was a very special dude. Let me ask you this. Your name is spelled differently, and of course you, you are you are your own person, but Absolutely. do you feel a level a level of similarity with Kobe in terms of mentality? Absolutely a hundred percent. You know, um it, it was a reason why my, my parents named me after him, you know, he was special. You know, his mentality is what I've always tried to carry myself behind. You know, he had that the dog mentality, you know, and it doesn't matter what sport you play, you have to have that mentality in order to be great. You know, I still watch his highlight videos to this day, even though he played basketball, you know, just to remind myself that this is what it takes to be great and have that mentality. So most definitely. Kobe, how would you define dog mentality? I mean, I know where you're going with that, but like when you see a dog, what's a dog look like? Uh, Just eager, just hungry, you know, hungry, most importantly, humble, but, you know, just always knowing that there's more work to be done, you know, never getting complacent, you know. Like I said, in order to be great, you got to constantly work, you know, no matter what accolades might come or, you know, what the people on the outside think, but, you know, none of that matters. Uh, you know, there's always more work to be done. And, you know, I always go back to a quote when uh, Kobe was uh, up in the finals and he just said the job's not done. And I always constantly remind myself that the job isn't done. It's more work to be done. All right, so there's more work to be done. You've got this amazing opportunity ahead of you. What are your early thoughts on facing Alabama? Uh, you know, it's going to be fun. You know, we, we ultimately respect Alabama. You know, we, we know who they are. You know, it's Alabama, you know. But this is this is the the moments that you dream for, that you work for. And, you know, uh, we got to come out and play, and it's going to be a fun battle. Yeah, it just seems to me, final thought, from the outside, it seems like you guys have dealt with more pressure than any other big-time program in the sense that you knew if you lost a game, you were going to be out of the playoffs. As the season wore on, did you feel that pressure, or did you guys block it out? And if so, how did you do that? Like, for instance, what did you do with that pressure? How did you use it? Uh, you know, just going back to what I said, you know, we, I've ne- we, we've never needed validation from anyone. You know, we knew what we were capable of. Uh, we had each other, Coach Fickle. Um, you know, the outside outside noise, we never really paid attention to it. Just like I said, going back to, you know, the job's not finished. Each week, we're going to get everyone's best shot. Uh, we knew what we were capable of and just continuously working and staying humble and hungry. There it is, 13-0, and a great opportunity coming up December 31st, Cincinnati at Alabama, or versus Alabama. He is an All-American. He is the Jim Thorpe Award winner. That was announced last night. Cornerback for the University of Cincinnati. Kobe, great to have you on the show. Really appreciate you, and I appreciate that conversation, man. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. But why don't we get to the stuff that really matters, namely who to hit, how to get down this weekend, how to make some money with the big head, James Kelly, big head. Welcome to Big Head Bets. 
Don't screw it up. What's cracking? And most of all, Big Head, how's that 15-minute work week treating you? I was a little stressed out until I heard uh, Simon's tweet. What a freaking legend that guy is. That's some funny stuff right there. Uh, why did I know that you would find that amusing, Head? <laughs> Dude, it's it's point. Never mind. I'll stop. Yep. Yeah, well, why don't you stop mm-hmm. while you're behind? I, I already know that that's like the best thing that's happened in your life in a long time. Which tells you tells me all I need to know about your life. Let's get busy, Head. We've got a lot to get done. Remember, you are only allowed one ass reference per segment, so choose wisely, all right? Gotcha. 10 4. Speaking of ass, the Bears are at the Packers. Per usual, the Bears have nothing to play for this late in the season. I mean, after all, they are the Bears. The Packers, on the other hand, have everything to play for. And despite having that jacked-up toe, Aaron Rodgers has looked really good of late. He'll be without his guy, Randall Cobb, but that's not going to matter against these slaps from Chicago. Aaron's right. He does own the Bears. There's no way Green Bay loses to these slugs at home, but... It is a big, fat number. How fat is the number, and do the Packers cover head? It's fat, Jim. It's Green Bay minus 12 and a half, and I say they cover here. I'm taking the Packers. The Bears' defense is playing really good, actually, the last three games. Playing really well. They're playing really well. They're not playing really good. Okay. Minus one already. Go ahead. They're playing great for Chicago standards. How's that? Only New England right now has allowed fewer yards on defense than Chicago has. The last three games, Jim, and they can get after the quarterback. The Bears actually have the highest sack percentage in the NFL, but it doesn't matter with the guy that you just said, Aaron Rodgers. This guy, despite not practicing a lot, is on another level. He's still the best quarterback in football. Since week two, he's thrown 23 touchdowns to two interceptions. Wow. If he could beat the Bears by 10 at Soldier Field with old ladies giving him the double middle finger here, I think he can cover this spread at home. I'll take the best team in the NFL via the spread in prime time, minus 12.5 over Coach Pennis and Cracker Jacks. My man, back. listen to the head. Already feeling himself. All right, so Green Bay minus 12.5. We've got the Bills at the Bucks. Fascinating game. Now, the Bills are coming off that devastating loss to the Patriots. Now they need to go to Tampa and deal with TB44 and the defending champs. Now, head, if you had said to me before the season that I could get the Bills somewhere, anywhere against anybody in week 14 plus three, if that's mm-hmm. the number, I would have taken that all day long. Except there is a reason why they're plus three, reason being they are a seven and five team. Now, if you had said to me before the season started that they would be seven and five, I would have said that's a reason to go. They're still to me, head. Lots I like about the Bills, but I've got way more questions about that team than I ever thought that I would at this point in the season. Again, fascinating matchup. Is the number three, and if so, who you got? The number is three. Bucks minus three at home. I'll take Tampa at home. Now, I'm not um, completely down on the Bills like a lot of people are right now. I love Josh Allen, and this time of year, he is at his best. I think he balls up Sunday. But this is just a bad team to follow. That Monday night loss with Jim on a short week. Tampa is 11-3 at home since Tom Brady joined the team. Their defense has allowed nearly 10 points less a game this season than on the road. And Tom's history v. Buffalo is incredible. He is a career 32-3 against the Bills. That's really actually 32-2. One game didn't count. Again, the Bills are still going to rally this season, I think. 
but not Sunday. Let's go with the 80% home cover this year. Tampa Bay Bucks minus three points. I don't know, Head Man. It's hard for me to argue against anything you just said. And if that's true, to think that Buffalo might drop to seven and six is hard to imagine. All right, Baltimore at Cleveland. Huge game to me. The Ravens, I don't know about you, Head, but to me, the Ravens are a very hard team to read. But Mm -hmm. here are two things that we do know about them. Number one, they're tough as hell. Number two, they're banged up as hell. And they suffered another devastating blow in losing corner Marlon Humphrey. To Mm -hmm. me, it's a credit to them that they're eight and four but when I look at them I just don't see an eight and four team the Browns are coming off a bye it's a bye they had to have it's an enormous game with enormous implications for the postseason and otherwise and it's one the Browns have to have before I ask you what the number is and who you got here is one thing you might want to think about Lamar Jackson with Lamar Jackson as their starter. The Ravens are 8-2 and two against the spread as underdogs. Jackson. Now that you have that info, what is the number and who do you have? So I love that number, and I love the fact that actually, too, Stefanski is 2-8 and eight against the spread in divisional games since he's taken over Cleveland Gym. So Uh-oh. add those together. Yes, the number is actually Uh-oh. plus 3, and I'm going to take Baltimore here. I'm going to go... The Ravens, the Browns run the football as good as anyone in the NFL, but Baltimore allows the least yards per game on the ground. And when they played just two weeks ago, Cleveland only ran for 40 yards. Baker Mayfield couldn't beat them with Lamar Jackson throwing four interceptions. I'm taking the points here in that banged-up Ravens team. Be more, plus three at Cleveland. You know, it's hard for me to say it because you know I love America's team. I tend to see it the same way. I tend to see these first three games the same way you see them. All right, let's move on. Giants fan, this is going to hurt you a hell of a lot more than it hurts me. Actually, it doesn't hurt me at all. In fact, I think it's pretty amusing. Here's a fun fact for you Giants fans. Not only do you have one of the worst teams in the NFL this year, That's not a one-off. You have been one of the worst teams in the NFL for several years. Not an opinion or a take, just a big-ass fact. And given your QB situation, it's not going to get any better this weekend. Danny ass dimes cannot go, meaning it's either Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm. Then again, the best thing for the Giants going for them is who might not go for the other team, Uh namely the Chargers. Head, they might be without one or both of their big two receivers and Chris Harris. We know the Giants are ass, but can they keep it within nine and a half? So the Chargers situation, the COVID situation right there, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Harris, right now, the last I saw it is trending as if two or maybe even all three of those guys will play, Jim, Sunday. All right. So that does help, and honestly, if they didn't, I'd still probably take the minus 9.5 win bets is offering right now, and the Bolts. Dude, the Giants are the third-worst offense in football on third downs on the road, and they are getting worse at running the football, not better since Saquon Barkley has been back. Since his return, the past three games, the Giants are averaging an NFL-worst 75.3 yards a game on the ground against the Chargers. You want to run that football. Add the fact that they might have long neck or Jake Fromm behind center. I love the Bolts here. Build on that momentum from 41-22 win over Cincy. Let's go Bolts minus 9.5. Bolts minus 9.5 against the G-Men. All right, Seahawks v. Texans, and I know that there might be some news involving this. Like the question, for instance, who is going at quarterback for the Texans, Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills? Mm -hmm. Better question at this point, does it even matter? 
Hell, I think I would give them as good of a chance as either one of these guys at this point. A better question. How did Russ look to you last week, even though the Seahawks are already dead on arrival? Do they have enough juice to cover here? Because they're really not playing for anything other than personal tape and hopefully us winning a bet at this point. Who do you like? What's it play out for? Or how does it play out for you? So Davis Mills will start. He'll start for the rest of the season. They just said that. But whether it's Mills, yes. Yeah, I mean, but like you just said, whether it's Mills or Taylor, that offense— isn't ass, Jim. That's actually straight-up butthole ball. They can't throw. They can't run. They can't block. They rank 32nd in several can offensive categories. I stop categories. you right there, dude? When I say one-ass reference, that does, that does not mean you can chase it with, quote, straight-up butthole ball. Butthole, I mean, it's butthole, the only butthole, thing worse than ass, butthole, and that's what the Houston Texans are right now on offense, Jim. Yeah, but that so. makes, that's actually two ass references, so now you have none next week. How's that grab you? Oh, not very good, but... My point, they rank 32nd in several offensive uh, categories by big margin. The spread is Seattle minus 8.5, and and I'm going the Hawks here. Their six-ranked scoring defense and weird rust. Let's go with those guys. Last week, Rust looked much better, and if he could just take care of the ball against that Lovey Smith's defense, which is actually a pretty good defense, they should roll here. Big game for DK, big game for Tyler. Let's go Seattle minus 8.5. Just don't turn the damn ball over, weird rust. Okay, stop weird rushing him for one. Yeah, I I like Russ. I really do. But is there anything funnier than Russ saying, oh, oh, this is where I want to be? Oh, I definitely (laughs) want to be here. Really? But why rumor these after keep rumor leaking about after teams you'd be willing to go to. <laughs> yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. So next thing, really quickly. Unbelievable, and I know you love a good fister. Yes. Unbelievable headliner at UFC 269 for the belt. Pound for pound, two of the best in the world. Two of the best really to ever do it, maybe. Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier. Mm-hmm. Oliveira with that freakish ability, especially on the mat. He won mm-hmm. the belt, which was vacant earlier this year. Poirier's beaten Conor McGregor twice and has done essentially every everything there is to do but win a belt. Is this the night that he finally does it? And how are you playing this fight? So lately, to get better odds, I have been doing a parlay with the easiest fight on the card and then the main event. And I will do the same here, Jim. I will take the GOAT, who you love, Amanda Nunez. Love with, her. Love yes, her. love her. She's actually got minus 1,000 odds against Juliana <laughs> Pena. Minus 1,000. Can you, can you explain to the listeners why you would ever bet something that was minus 1,000? Unless you absolutely, never in MMA, I would bet minus 1,000 probably. Um, just because it's too easy. Kind something of bad to happen. Yeah, something bad could possibly happen there. Probably not to her, and that's why I'm going to actually parlay this with Dustin Poirier. I'm going to actually get minus 118 odds on the two of them. It's an incredible fight. I can't wait for this fight. I've been waiting for it for a long time. I've been a longtime fan of Charles. He is great, but he just doesn't have that dog Dustin has. And I think it comes down to that. You had Justin Gaethje on earlier this week, and he said as much. We've seen Charles quit a couple times, and Dustin Poirier doesn't quit. And I just think in those later rounds where Charles has never gone, those championship rounds, that fourth, that fifth, Dustin dogs, Dustin's dogs is going to come out, and he's going to finally get that belt, dude. I cannot freaking wait for this fight. I, you know, I see it the exact same way. Let me ask you this, like when it comes to the fight itself, and mm-hmm. it might be a different angle if somebody wants to play it. Do you see that fight ending by KO, or do you see that fight ending on the ground? I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, both dudes could 
finish each other. You don't want to get to the mat against Charles because he could submit. Dustin's very, very good in jiu-jitsu, but he's not Charles <laughs> Oliveira. Charles is on a next level. So it could end it in that way. Something weird I did see, though, Charles is a crazy plus 650 for a KO TKO. Huh. So if you wanted that, that, I mean, that's incredible odds because Charles just finished Michael Chandler. And Justin and Justin Gaethje didn't finish Michael Chandler, so if you like uh, Charles, that could be a very good one. But um, I think it's going to be Dustin somehow. I, I'm just not going to bet on the knockout or anything like that. I'm just. Gonna say I, I think that's a really interesting play you just mentioned. So interesting that I'm not doing it. Now I'm going Dustin. I think he is. I think he is so dangerous. Obviously, standing up, I think he's dangerous on the ground. I think that he's at the peak of his powers right now. I yes. think that it is his time. I'm going with Dustin, but that is an amazing fight. Break it down for me. Run it all back. Who do you have? And I know if they're joining us late, we'll put it up on Twitter. But who do you have this weekend? Green Bay minus 12 and a half over the Chicago Bears. Bucks minus three at home v. Bills. Baltimore on the road plus three against Cleveland. The Chargers at home minus nine and a half v. Longneck. Weird Russ, Seattle minus eight and a half at Houston. And a UFC parlay of Amanda Nunez and Dustin Poirier at minus 118. Big head bets starring the big head himself. Head, fingers crossed. Let's get paid. Good job. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me start that Monday with a deck of yeah. Monday, the new Friday. It feels awesome. Got a big, big show for you. Hope you had a good weekend. In fact, I hope you had a great weekend. I know I did. Let's get this thing going. I have got a ton of show for you today and a little bit different than you might ordinarily expect. Let's get it going. Let me start with the best news. The Detroit Lions. After blowing a two-touchdown lead, they actually had a look late. And I don't need to hear from Chino in San Antonio today either. The Lions won. Time to get your grub on. Time to slam some kneecaps. USC head football coach Lincoln Riley joining us. It was time for a new challenge, and then this just kind of spoke to us, and this was the right one, and just kind of the right place and the right time. A lot of things that are moving in the right direction. A lot of things Absolutely nothing is moving in the right direction. Because if that's moving in the right direction, I would hate to hell to see what moving in the wrong direction is. Marcus Freeman. I was completely shocked. I remember people asking, like, hey, do you really think Coach Kelly would go to LSU? I said, there's no way. There's no way. And when he called me and told me that he was going, you know, again, I was in shock. But I needed a job. So when he said, hey, I want you to come down and be my deepest coordinator, I really had no other option other than talking to my wife. Remember when Brian Kelly rode in on the back of a donkey into the gym to talk about his family? Brian in Louisiana? Huh? It it is Brian Kelly, and I do appreciate you taking my call. Brian, let me ask you something really quickly. What college did you attend? Well, that is is not up for uh, discussion right now, Jim. The fake Brian Kelly. That was so bizarre. Hey, I'm in the years. Like, whoa, what am I hearing? Was that like part of a joke that nobody else was in on? The way he says, <laughs> now that he's done that, can he go back? Darius Butler is my guest. I'm not watching a Jaguar game unless I have action or if they didn't pay me to do it because it's my job. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it makes you stress a lot more about these damn referees. Let's not give more credit. And yet his team just got out-toughed, outplayed, out-executed, outclassed, and even worse, the Bills got bullied. Kaiser White, how much is on the line with these games in December and how high the stakes are? Yeah, man, I wouldn't want it any other way. You know, pressure bust pipes. I'm excited to see how we're going to respond to it. The 70s, 80s, and 90s ain't walking through that door. Little Mario left the championship caliber program because he was homesick. 
Listen, that's kind of take that I want on this show. I don't agree with it. It's a Kane thing. Kelvin Sampson. Our assistant coach that tracks our tips. How many do we have? And our guys are going, we have 28 tips. we got to get two more. Part of that's because they don't want to run, which is what they'll have to do if they don't get 30 tips. Thank God I didn't play for Coach Sampson. Signed, no tipping Pippin. He's talking about tipped basketballs. So, like, I'm on this text thread during games. They didn't look like they were doing Man, nickel off the edge, zone, uh, so swimming the pool, combine, uh, drop down safety, um, fire zone. Uh, they just had to beat the safety to the end zone. Exactly. Oh, Williams up high for the crank. Uh-oh. Williams up high for what? The crank. 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 Justin Gaethje. Once you gain that economic, you know, sustainability for you and your family and future generations, I mean, you have to really question what the f- Doing we here. don't want to F-bomb on our daily show, oh. dude. My beef is I'm tired of guys referring to their wigs as a, quote, hair system, two-way tape, and a shredded wheat biscuit. I did a thing. Take one treat and get your fat butt back to your truck. Winnie the Pooh as a bear with very little brain. Marcus Dixon, 30 minutes into your first conversation, McVeigh asked, do you have an agent? Oh, man. So my answer to that question was like, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my wife, man, that was that was so surreal. Like, if this was written a long time ago, Jim. This story here. This kid's right. watching Fighting to the Death. I actually, like, I used to clown that guy for that. I actually love that guy for that. I, I ain't having it, man. Give me the phone. I'm going to take care of this right now. It's funny how things turn. What the hell was your car doing there? Why did you leave it there? She's like, why didn't you just look where you were backing out? Uh, Bernie Parmalee? Don't drag out these negotiations like Bobby Petrino's face across the southern state roadway. We're not whooping enough tail, you know? If that were Tampa Bay, Chase would be firing the cannons. Ronnie, LeBron, and his dad, Delonte West. Dude. How play is that, man? No, that's not player at all, man. That's actually straight up butthole ball. They can't throw, they can't run, they can't block. Can I stop you right there, dude? Ringle bells, Rexy smells, chicken man laid an egg. Roadman Ike lost his mic somewhere on flight deck's head. When he wakes up, tell him he's cut. Jesus. This is a little more ruthless. We're going to win this game. Uh, awesome. Thanks for having me, Jim. You cannot go back. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me. Little Mario. Highly recommend you watching one of my fights live one day. Appreciate being on with you, brother. Visitant. Hey. And war. 60-minute ride on Peloton. Happy holidays to you, man. Outro. Merry Christmas, clone. Good night now. We go not to Paul, but rather Paul's dog. A talking dog. Calling the program. Hello, Paul's dog. Rello, Remro. Quick bark out to my main pooch, Dutch in Philly. That canine thinks that the Flyers are a real crappy team. <laughs> huge, huge, huge thank you to the clones. For helping to make this the year of the dog. But as we all know, a year in the life of a dog is equal to not one, not two, not three, but seven human years. So get used to me. I'm in the jungle to do two things. Kick ass and lick peanut butter off of my nose. Red Paul's all out of peanut butter. Ringle bells, Rexy smells, chicken man laid an egg. Roadman Ike lost his mic somewhere on flight deck's head. 
Ringo Bells, Fat Ass Wells, Vic and No Cal Sucks. We're stuck with CJ in the Bay, Ryle, Mike, and Indy ran away. Merry Christmas clones, Happy Doggy Days, Roar, Santa Paws, Leaving Roll Trapper, Beef Jerky in my stocking. Teriyaki. Who's been a good boy? I have. I'm a good boy. Rough me. Rum route. Good night now!